0: Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. Welcome to The Sale Ring.
1: Well, you're going to get one of the hosts today. Trina is actually out. Trina's having, uh, she had a dental appointment, so I don't envy her at all. But we have, uh, we have an interesting topic and uh, a guy that I've been visiting with um, about training videos. And they have a unique company called Business Video School. Uh, I want to introduce Nick Niehaus to you. And Nick is uh, going to join us here in the studio by phone today. Nick, are you, you, you online?
2: Um. Here,
1: yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, we appreciate you joining us. We're we're looking forward to the conversation. Looking forward to the topic of uh, business video school, and uh, I guess you know just starting out. If you'd tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe how you got into this industry, or I noticed you're the co-founder and head trainer at the Business Video School. How you got started in that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks, Sean, for for having me on. Been looking forward to our our chat here. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, it's just my background. so I've been uh, man, I've been doing marketing for 15 or so years at this point. I mean, basically since I was in college, I've been focusing on marketing. Um, and basically the, the school we've been around for about three years, um, getting close to our three year anniversary here for, for business video school. and you know it's really it, it's a comprehensive training platform for primarily real estate agents. So we're probably about 90% real estate agents. Uh, most of the other students, or something, you know, some profession inside of the real estate industry, um, and you know, really, my my passion at this point, kind of what I'm what I'm excited about when we're working with these agents is just helping them realize like how simple video can be. You know, all the different ways they can use it. Uh, we emphasize that it's really a form of communication. It's something that we should be using uh, all across our business, not just publicly, not just for marketing, but also internally for customer service and. communicate with their employees and you know all those kinds of good things um so yeah so we've been you know the schools uh it's pretty comprehensive there's there's about 900 or so current students i think last uh check on the the head count there and we love to work with like i said businesses that are that are looking to implement video you know they're kind of looking for that extra help that extra push uh folks that have maybe you know some cases never made a video before and they're just getting started. Um. Others have used it a little bit, but just you know, don't have a consistent plan, aren't making it a regular part of what they do. Um, and we help all of them out. And so I'd say, you know, the the folks that are that have you know have got thousands of followers on on uh, YouTube or TikTok already, and they're kind of up and running. And um, you know, that's not necessarily our specialty. So we we help the beginners and and the intermediate folks uh, kind of work their way up to that point. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's what we do. So yeah, thanks thanks for having me on.
1: Outstanding. Well, as you mentioned, the ones that are already out there doing it—they've got hundreds or thousands of followers, and they're on camera multiple times a week and stuff. Uh, mm. They're not afraid to do that. But you know, most people—and i'll I'll kind of I'll kind of direct this back to the auction industry. You know, for many many years in the auction industry, the thing that kept the barrier to entry for most people and kept them out of the auction industry is the majority of people are um, introverts, you know, or introverted, at least to the point where they wouldn't stand up in a room full of strangers on a chair, get everybody's attention, and start chanting and sell something to them. That's just not in their DNA to do that. So I think when people get on camera... Um, it, you know, you the butterflies start, and you you just you're nervous about it, and and it um, it makes people very uncomfortable to do that. So let's jump right in, if you don't mind. First and foremost, if we know that the average you know person is uh, going to be nervous or scared about doing that, how do you get them to overcome some of those inhibitions and some of that angst uh, about being on camera?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think that you know, realistically, so the first thing you got to do is you have to reframe what video is in the first place. I think a lot of people, you know, we we could go back, you know, most most of the agents I talk to that come into the school, I mean, they they at this point would say, I've been hearing for probably five years that I should be using video, which is a long time to, to sort of hear you should be doing something and continue to ignore that message. And the reason I think that that happens for a lot of people is that, when they first started hearing that they were supposed to be doing video, they they immediately thought, and, and understandably so, they thought of the the kinds of video they were most exposed to. You know, so what 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 kind of video have you been seeing since we were young, right? It's like movies, television, uh, you know, the news, like all this kind of stuff. It's like super duper public. Um, we probably all know somebody who was on TV for for a minute at some point on a newscast, and like you know, all kinds of people saw it. That's intimidating. And I think that's where a lot of people at this point are kind of are kind of almost missing the entire point of video where they're looking at this and they're thinking, OK, video, video is a performance, video is a public thing. Video is scary. And that's just one kind of video. So I think if, if instead we tell ourselves video is an inevitable destination, it, it's a kind of communication, it's a, it's a tool that has has been coming for a long time I mean, we've been seeing in sci-fi you know people talking to each other on television screens for decades now we were always going to get to this point unfortunately most people are held back by that that tv and movie kind of mentality so instead if you you know take yourself out of the equation for just a second and you think when you're first getting started about the the people who are going to see the videos and how you can help them it becomes very obvious very quickly why this is so advantageous so if we if we look at what happens for the viewer when they start to watch videos from you. And if you think in terms of the simplest form of video you can send, well, all of a sudden now you should be excited to make videos. Because an example would be like one thing we tell our students is start with birthday video messages, you know, just reach out on, on Facebook through the messenger and just say happy birthday to somebody whose birthday is happening that day. You know I mean? That's about as easy as it gets. The 10 second video, it's, there's literally no production quality whatsoever. And only one person is ever going to see it. So, you know, it's a it's a I mean, there's just so many things there that make that incredibly easy. But then think about the impact for the recipient. I mean, this, this is a person who's going to they're going to see you. They're going to think about you. I mean, they, they will remember this for probably months um, because they saw your face. Like that's the part of video that's so different is when I send a video myself to somebody else, they're seeing my face. Um, it feels like a face to face conversation to some degree. And, and that resonates, right? People see it as, as you know, more emotionally impactful. They remember it for longer. They understand the message a lot more thoroughly. So you know, it's kind of a, a lengthy answer, but I think that's the problem. A lot of folks look at this and they, they see a public performance. That's intimidating. And if we flip that script and instead we say, okay, what, what kind of benefit is my viewer going to get? And what's the easiest form of all this? We're going to start with things like video messages and the, the results are incredible. I mean, you want to talk about converting more of, of your leads. You want know, to talk about getting significantly more repeat business, generating more referrals. All of those kinds of things are going to come from simple video, like video messages, much faster than if you get out and start trying to perform video publicly. And I yeah. think if we focus in on that, you're going to, you're going to, you know, build momentum, right? Because you get some results and you go, wow, I want to do more with this.
1: Well, as you, as you started out this conversation, we've heard for more than five years that you, you need to be doing videos, but the vast majority of us are still not doing that. So before we move into the benefits of it, I just, I want to recap what I think I'm hearing you say is it's, um, focusing when you get ready to shoot video to lower those inhibitions, focus more on the valuable information that you have to deliver and how it's going to impact the person that's listening to it on the other end. And it's it's you're, you're the deliverer of you know important info or training or education and it's just a device to deliver that so uh, or a technique. And I, I think if people, can train themselves to kind of focus on that and say, I I really want to get this out. You know, I'm nervous about doing it, but here's how I think it's going to be received on the other end. And I'm really going to focus on that. It, it maybe helps lower those inhibitions.
2: Yeah, that's, that's the hope. I mean, you're still going to get caught up. You know, I think a lot of folks still, you're going to feel uncomfortable. I mean, it also helps to, to recognize that like, at the way we see and hear ourselves on video is unlike anybody else. I mean, first of all, when we, we all know the voicemail thing, right? We record our voicemail. We listen back to it. And it's like, oh, that's not my voice sound It's weird. I mean, that that happens with video too, you know? So that's one thing that's disorienting. But the reality is if anybody else listens to that recording, they're going to tell us that's just how we sound because we hear our, our voices differently in our own heads. And then same thing with, with seeing ourselves. Our, our image is flipped because we're used to looking in the mirror and a mere image of us is always flipped from left to right, right? So both of those things kind of combine to, to automatically make us feel uncomfortable when we watch our, our own videos back, you know. So I think you, you gotta, there's a certain degree of just acceptance. Like there, there's gonna be a point. I would say we're we're a few years away at this point, but there's gonna be a point where you we're all gonna kind of be forced to make that transition because our competition is gonna be using video and they're gonna be taking business from us. So before we get there, before we're sort of forced to do this. Um, there, there's a lot of value in kind of pushing yourselves past that fear, pushing yourself to get over that initial sort of, sort of, you know, qualms, so to speak, when you're getting started and and just getting the momentum going, because there, there's a huge advantage to being early, you know, and we're not, we're not as early as we were to the point now where, you know, a lot of people are starting to use these tools. And if we continue to ignore them, it's going to start to hurt, you know? So I think there's, there's a degree of kind of understanding it starting simple, but yeah, there's going to be a degree of just. You're going to have to just get over it at some point. You're going to have to take that that risk, so to speak, make your first couple of videos, and it always gets easier.
1: Well, I, I think that's what I would weigh in also is um, what you just said about uh, it's it's not too early. We may be starting to get behind the game if you're not in it right now. Um our marketing team is consistently showing us results in digital marketing, static images, just a, a post or a blog or something, versus a video. And the video is 10, 20, sometimes 50 times the amount of traffic and results as those static ads. So video is absolutely where it's at. The question is, is are you prepared, you know, or do you need a trainer or a company like the, the Business Video School to help you step up and get prepared because you're going to be behind the curve if you don't get on board with this very soon.
2: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, and I'm, you know, and what I always tell folks to is like, we're obviously here, you know, I'd, I'd love to help them and I'd love for them to join our school. Um, but I do think where this was a year or two ago, I mean, the pandemic accelerated all this, you know? So I think when we first started the school it was right as the pandemic basically started kind of timed up, you know, perfectly synced up. Um, and, and I've been, you know, a little bit shocked by how fast these things have changed. I mean, I was sort of predicting, okay, we got about 10 years, gonna take a, you know, full decade for this sort of transition to happen. And I think it it went really fast for a year or two. And then there was there was a backlash because we all got frustrated with Zoom. You know, we sort of got burnt out on these Zoom meetings. Obviously there was a, a sort of backlash from that. Um, but I think at this point, it's it's settling in and people that were were sort of resisting trying to do more video maybe six months ago are starting to realize like, well, I have the skill now people like to see this kind of content, you know, the the stats are mind blowing. I mean, just the stuff you were just mentioning, I mean, it's crazy to see. You know, I mean, you can you can get three times as many of your leads to work with you if you start sending video messages. I mean, these are I work in marketing. I mean, if we get a 10% change, we feel excited about it, right? So when you see a a 100 or 200% change, it's it's basically mind blowing. Um, but that's the kind of result we're seeing, and and what we're going to see, especially in the next couple of years, is the people who keep resisting this. That's where that business is coming from. So if the agents that are using video and their conversion are getting two or three times the results somebody else is getting half the results, you know, that those customers have to come from somewhere. So that's the you know, it's the point I always try to emphasize, like at some point your fear of this negatively affecting your business because other people are using it has to start to be heavier than your fear of getting on camera, right? Because I mean, that, that's when you're going to start to take action. So if you can do that on your own, if, if, this, if this gets you started, great. Um, but yeah, we're, we're here to help if you need it. And we have all kinds of you know special tricks and approaches and challenges and different things we do um, to help you overcome those initial steps, you know, because that, that tends to be the hardest part. It's that first couple videos, you get those done, you get consistent, you start to make this a habit. You know, six months from now, video is just a regular part of what you do.
1: Well, Nick, I, I, I've taken some notes in here because I kind of wanted to go through this. You know, I'm, I, I think it's – I was a trainer in the military for a long time, and, you know, one of the byproducts of that is, is I've, I've, everything should be in order. you right. But I'm trying to kind of chronologically go through this. I want to ask you about, well, what should we do with the video? But before we get into that and where to post it, you know, and where to get the word out there, I'd like to talk a little bit about capturing it first. So realtors um, in the housing market, uh, we're very large in non-urban America, uh, farms, ranches, you know, uh, urban, non-urban properties. So if you're, if you're capturing video device wise, I know smartphones have came a long ways, Uh, the gimbals, you know, that, that you use to hold those. I mean, what kind of recommendations could you give for a realtor? to start capturing video, to get really good quality video?
2: Yeah. Well, I will say right off the bat, I mean, we're at a point now where you really don't need anything more than a phone or, or, or your webcam. You know, a lot, of, a lot of computers have a webcam built in. Generally, the phone camera is going to be better than the webcam because it's, you know, it, it's a little hard to believe in some ways. But in the, in the phone, the cameras actually take up a decent amount of that space now. Uh, versus in your screen on your computer, it's it's just a smaller camera. So for one, I usually default to the phone. Now beyond that, I mean we're we're at a point where I mean every year they the the industry the the camera industry sells less mirrorless cameras and less DSLRs, you know, and that and that's really just a byproduct of the fact that these digital built-in phone cameras are just getting better and better. Um, I would say that for 99% of real estate agents, you really just need a phone, which is a little hard to believe, but it's true. Now, beyond that, I mean, th- it's crazy the, the amount of stuff that we just sort of don't need anymore. So, for instance, the gimbals like that, that was a big deal a couple of years ago. And the reason is just that with the gimbal, you can get really smooth footage. So it's going to completely stabilize your shot. It, you know, you can get a gimbal that works with a mirrorless camera or a phone, Uh, I used to use them a lot so two three years ago I mean I was teaching on gimbals all the time we had classes on it in school and now with with the newer phones and it's kind of funny I actually just got my uh, my Galaxy S23 just came in like an hour ago I'm just starting to get it set up right now so I'm excited to see what that camera looks like because that my, my most recent phone was two years old and it still had plenty of video capability so that's the starting point right so then from there it really depends on what you're trying to do. So I, I'd say it's super important when you first get started not to invest in equipment. And the rule that we follow is we always recommend that you invest in equipment, you buy something when you have encountered the problem that that equipment solves. So that, this I'm going to repeat that so it can be hard to understand sometimes. So you have to encounter the problem that the equipment is made to solve before you buy the equipment, right? So it's, and I think that's really important with video because I have seen so many people that have bought a bunch of equipment, have gone out and then done nothing. And the reason is the equipment just comes a new form of procrastination. So I have to know, so if I go and I buy a, let's just say some lights or a nice camera, or I buy, you know, high-end editing software. Well, now I'm not just having to record a video. Now I have to also learn to use that piece of equipment. And if you don't have momentum, if you don't have video habits already, that's just gonna become another reason to not take action. Well and, we and I have we may that. be coming
1: so. we may be coming full circle on your initial statement too, is you you have to get over that that Uh, barrier of being on camera. I mean, I could see people maybe saying, well, if I bought a better light or if I bought this or bought that, I would do more video. And they haven't really gotten past the point. You're not doing a lot of video. You're scared to do video. You're nervous about it and you're not shooting video yet. So before you start trying to do performance enhancements, you got to do at least the bare minimum is the performance.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's always helpful anytime you're you're struggling to get started with something, you have to kind of reframe it as something else. You know, so I I always find it useful to think of starting video like starting to work out. You know, if you were going to to learn to work out, yeah, you might be tempted to, to go out and invest in a bunch of equipment and a bunch of stuff before you've ever gone to the gym once. But we all know that it's probably better just to go in that one time, you know, get a tour of the space, have somebody show you a couple basic workouts, you know, start really simple. Um, and, and that's what we need to do is we have to start with forming habits. You know, I think so. So I've, I've you know interviewed a lot of top performers over the years and I'll ask them, you know, how, how do you start a new habit? You want to get good at something? You want to have it become a regular part of what you do day to day? How do you do that? And a lot of them have said the same thing, which is basically, well, you don't do it all at once. You start with just a tiny part of the habit and you slowly, gradually build it up, you know? So back to the workout example, I've I've had several people tell me that when they, when they started trying to get in the habit of working out, the first thing they did was just go to the gym and then come home. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, but it's this idea of like, If you don't tell yourself you're going to go into the gym and work out for an hour, it's a lot easier to get yourself to show up, you know? So they would say, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to pull into the parking lot. And then once I'm there, if I go in and I do an exercise a few times or get a little bit of exercise in, great. But the only thing I'm committed to is just showing up, right? And then the the rest happens or doesn't. And I don't judge myself as a result. And I don't know, it, it sounds crazy, but it works, you know? And I think that's the same thing with video is I have to start with what's the simplest version. What's the simplest thing I can do with just a phone? And then as I go, I can start to, what, what I encourage people to think about is, can I make small tweaks that don't require equipment, right? So if I don't like how I look, can I think about the direction the light is shining from? You know. So So one really easy thing you can do is literally turn off the lights in the room. So you would think with video, like I want light, I need to be illuminated. But a little bit counterintuitively, the lights coming from above you are actually really bad for video. So when you have light shining down from above, it casts shadows on your face. It highlights any sort of wrinkles or pimples or zits or anything you don't want to to highlight. It does exactly that. And we tend to look at ourselves and go, oh, man, I don't really look very good. Well, just go stand in front of a window. And it's even better if it's kind of cloudy out, you know, Sort sort of nice diffused light, not too bright. It's not too direct. And you face the window and you turn off the overhead lights and, and just like that, you look substantially better. And, and there's so many, there's so many of those little tweaks that you can make that are much more helpful than buying equipment because once you know how to do that, anywhere I go, I can walk around a room or I can step outside and I can find good light, you know, and, and, and then I can record my video, right? I don't need anything. Um, if I were to buy the equipment first, now I have to take that equipment with me right now it has to be with me i have to bring that ring light everywhere i go um and you're not going to have it a lot of times i mean there's plenty of videos i've recorded where i I just didn't have any equipment with me now that being said as you go the the way i sort of treat equipment purchase because i I definitely have equipment um is i I use it as a reward right so i tell myself okay once i've sent 50 birthday video messages i'm going to buy my first microphone or i'm going to go out and invest in a ring light or you know, a big one when you're first getting started is, is a tripod of some kind, yeah. right? So if you're, you're, if you're holding your phone.
1: But you're setting a yeah. goal out there. You're you're tasking yourself to do it multiple times, and I like that.
2: Exactly, yeah. And so that way it's it's not, you know, I'm not using the equipment as, as a way to delay. It, it's adding to what I'm doing, right? So if I recorded 50 videos over the past you know few weeks, and that might sound like a lot, but when they're one-to-one, it's really not. And, and then I go, okay, now I'm going to buy a tabletop tripod, or now I'm going to buy, you know, a, a basic standard tripod. I mean, we're talking fifteen dollars, twenty bucks. This stuff's not too expensive. Um, but I know why I need it. I know how I'm going to use it. I get it. I set it up. I put my phone in it, and I go, oh great, now I can use both my hands, which has been something that was bothering me for the past few weeks, you know. And then you just keep going. And I think that's the key. I mean, if you just keep moving. If you ever buy something and it prevents you from making the next video that's not good, right? So we, we got to make sure we have that momentum. And so then, yeah, I mean, I think tripods are, are helpful. Um, you can start with a ring light, then from there, you can start to look into like softbox lights, those are going to produce a nice, even soft light that's not going to show you sort of any hot or cold spots on your face or body. Um, I think a lapel microphone can be very helpful. So you get cleaner audio. Uh, you can also buy even nicer microphones that you can use for for podcasting, or, you know, for instance, like a, like a shotgun microphone, which is a directional mic that you can actually position above you so it's not in the shot. So if you've ever seen like a, a movie or TV show, there's usually a guy standing there with a big long pole and he's got a microphone and he's kind of sticking it right above the head of the person who's on camera. Yeah. Um that's how that's how those work, right? So I've I've got one of those in my office. Um and then the other only other thing I'd I'd recommend early on is you might want to consider some sort of backdrop right so maybe you have uh you know something you can put on the wall it's just a little bit cleaner looking like i actually hung some uh, ship lap, which is just sort of a decorative siding material uh on the wall and and so when i'm on zoom or doing meetings or recording basic videos i've got that behind me um and that's really it i mean i think honestly i, I know you asked about dimples and that was a big topic like two or three years ago and and at this point even the phones and the, the mirrorless cameras and DSLRs, like a lot of them have this, the stabilization tech built in and I have not needed a gimbal for a while. So I don't, there are cases where that's still helpful, especially if you need like really smooth shots for, for walkthrough videos, things like that. Um, but I'm, I'm at the point now where it's, it's quite surprising what you can even do with just a phone, which, well, which is good, right? It saves I, a lot of hassle. I
1: I agree a hundred percent. It's amazing how much technology is transitioning and, uh, the stabilization and the software that's built, uh, the technology that's built into these phones today, um, it's just it's, it's remarkable. The two things that I bought, so you mentioned a tripod, and I have a small tripod I can set on the desk. Uh, I bought two things that I really like when I'm shooting video and tell me your feelings about this. But one is a little key fob where I can turn the video or the camera on and off just with, with my hand. It's just no bigger than your car key fob. Uh, And the other one is a Bluetooth microphone that I just clip on my lapel. And I found that these work great if you're out on a farm or you're in the country and you have the tripod maybe set on the hood of your pickup and you're standing in front of it three or four feet, you get really clear communication. You can control the camera. You can enter the video and exit the video without having to reach up there, you know, with your hand and turn it off. And I I just think it cleans it up a lot.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think yeah, that, I, I love both of those because, I mean, the the one thing that will it's, – it's interesting. People will actually stop watching a video sooner if the audio is bad than if the image is bad. So you could have a video where it's, like, really grainy and I can hardly see you. But if I can hear you, I'll actually watch the video longer. So, I yeah, so audio is super important, right? So as soon as you get the phone – you know, basically, it's like as soon as you get the phone out of your hands, so more, once it's more than maybe two to two and a half feet away from your face – you're probably, especially outside, gonna want a microphone, right? So I think that idea of a, of a wireless mic, um, something you can you can connect but not have to have a cord between you, I do think that helps a ton. Um, it's also like I, I love the the wireless mics. You can just sort of plug in. There's a, there's an adapter that you plug into your phone. Then you've got the part that you clip to your shirt, and you turn them on. and And usually it takes maybe 10 seconds to set up, so it's very very easy. And I think that's really important because if you've got something, so so if you combine the two things you're mentioning, which is a, a little bit of a remote to start and stop the video and then a, and then a wireless uh, microphone, I mean, you know, that, that's not adding hardly any time to the process, which I think is great. Um, but it is giving you, especially a beginning, a, a clean beginning into the video. So I think that's another part um, that's very helpful, right? If I can hit record uh, in such a way that I don't have my hand, you know, reaching out to the phone, um, and I can start talking right as soon as I hit record, you, then you don't have to do any editing to clean that up. So that that's very helpful. Um, so yeah, I think both of those are are great ideas. But I think really what it comes down to for, for any individual person is you're gonna find a sweet spot. You're gonna find certain kinds of videos that you like to make that are that are resonating with your audience. Um, and then it's gonna become all about how do you make this a consistent habit that is where you're going to probably start to decide which tools are really important to you. And and they they do tend to be a little different for each person. So some of you are going to feel like, you know, I always have my camera at least five feet away. So I've got to get that microphone. And and that's going to allow me to to get some distance and move around. Um, Other people are going to really want to be sitting in their office, and they're going to want to be stationary. And the idea of being outside is overwhelming. And that's, you know, and they don't know how to handle it. So So that's why I always emphasize, you know, kind of kind of figure out what you like to do, figure out what resonates with the audience. Um, And, you know, you may end up swapping some equipment out over time, you know, so if you find One Direction just isn't quite working, you need to make some changes. The good news is that all this stuff has gotten substantially cheaper. So, I mean, you can find microphones and tripods and lights and, you know, spend, you know, even at most just a couple hundred bucks and have pretty much everything you need. Uh, which I think is is very nice. The pandemic certainly accelerated a lot of that tech. I noticed, you know, about six months in, there's a whole bunch of new stuff that was substantially cheaper. So don't be afraid to to check out some of the options because they're also always evolving and changing too.
1: Nick, this is valuable information, and I know the listeners are appreciating it. Um, we're going to slip away, and we're going to hear from our sponsors real quick. We'll run these commercials, when we come back, um, I want to ask you about now that we've captured the video and we've talked about equipment and peripheral and things that can go with uh, the phone. You you've captured some really great uh, video and some training. What do you do with it? And I want you to think about that a little minute, a little bit. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Nick Niehaus, uh with uh, Business Video School. Stand by.
0: Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, mineral marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace.
1: And we're back in the studio. We're talking with Nick Niehaus of Business Video School. Nick, as we uh, we kind of started to slip away for the commercials, I was asking you—you've given us some great information about um, you know how to lower those inhibitions, and you know one thing that resonated with me is is even if it's it's you know maybe you're underperforming in your videos initially, that's okay. Just get out there and do it, and start recording some videos, and get accustomed to it, and. And then we talked about the equipment. Now let's say you're down the road and you're recording some good quality videos or even in the beginning, what do we do with it? You know, how do we get the word out and how do we get the videos out so that people can see them?
2: Yeah. And that, that's a big part of it, right? Because I think that's where, man, I've seen so many people make great videos and then do such a poor job distributing them that they they lost a lot of the value, right? I mean, that that's that's of un- sort of a shame. And I think that it's not surprising, you know, so th- this is really one of those other windows where you can, you can make a big mistake. And so we, we get these people and they get out there and sometimes the very first video they're ever making and they make this thing, they put hours and hours of work into it. And then they post it one time on their Facebook business page and, you know, 10 people see it and then they get all disappointed, you know, and they're like, oh man, it just didn't work. And they never share it again, you know, and obviously that's what you want to avoid. So I think that You know, to answer the question that there's a lot of different kinds of videos and therefore there's a lot of different ways that you should share them. So I'll kind of give a couple examples. Um, But this all starts before you even make the video. So I think the the first thing you're thinking about is who is the audience? Who are you making the video for? You know, and if you don't have an answer to that, you got to I mean, that's the part you got to clarify first. Right. So if you don't have a customer avatar, if you have never defined your ideal client, I would start there. That is ultimately going to tell you where those people spend their time. So if your ideal customer, for instance, is a first-time home buyer and they tend to be, let's I'm just making this up, let's say they're about 30 years old, something in that range, chances are you know you're going to find that kind of person on Instagram, or you're going to find them maybe on Snapchat or TikTok, right? You got somebody who's in the older category. They might not be on Snapchat, they might not be on, on Instagram, they might only be on Facebook. And so If you don't have the answer to that question first and you didn't make your video for for a certain kind of person, you might actually miss them entirely, right? Now, I don't want that to be totally scary because there are some of each category of people on pretty much any platform, but that is an important question to answer. Then the other thing I would say is is once you know where you're going to share it, you need to make sure you distribute it fully. And so to me, that means... And this is a little controversial, but to me, that means probably thinking about paying a little bit of money. So we're going to want to post it. I'm just going to use sort of Facebook as, as an example. So if we find, you know, hey, I, I, my customer's on Facebook. I know I want to share it there. I'm going to post it on my business page. I'm going to post it separately on my personal account. So that way it's kind of maximizing the reach on the two. And then I'm going to put, you know, 10, 20, 50, maybe $100. depends on the size of that audience into promoting that video and you can you can use the boost post feature or maybe even get into the Facebook ad manager but the key is you actually show the video to the people who already subscribe to you so all the people who like your page uh, all the folks who are in your email database um, anybody who's seen your content in the past you can retarget video views from from previous videos so you know you want to make sure and and the thing is like I'm gonna target that group with my ad and, and that's what's counterintuitive for a lot of folks. A lot of people think, well, I want to get in front of new people. And you absolutely can. But especially the first few videos, you really want to show up in front of the people you already know. And what I've seen over the years is most small businesses, especially in the real estate world, are already connected to enough of the right people that they do not need to expand their audience. They just need to show up in front of those people. So I think that's what's really key. So you take your you take your database, you put that in as a custom audience on a platform like Facebook, or you can do the same thing on Google, and you run the ad to them. You run the ad to the people who are or who have already liked your page, and you know for most folks that's going to be anywhere from maybe 300 people up to several thousand. And if you just stay in front of those people, chances are you're going to get plenty of business out of them. So if if that you know if you maximize that, you've gotten the attention from from that core audience, and you've done everything you can. Um, to to make sure they see it, then you can start to expand. And then at that point, you want to look at who is that ideal customer and and target ads to those people. You can also go into groups that 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 kind of person would frequent, Uh, find the Facebook group, find partnerships. I mean, a, a big opportunity is partnering with other businesses. Everybody's looking for content to share. So if you're making content, there's a good chance that other folks that, Maybe you're you're currently exchanging referrals with stuff like that. Like they may be willing to share your content for you, um, and just and just push it as hard as you can. You know, so I think the the ultimate takeaway from a lot of that is just maybe never stop. I mean, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but but just keep pushing to get the video in front of more people. And uh, I would say a good rule to follow is spend as much time promoting and distributing a video as you did creating it. So if I spent an hour making something and scripting it and shooting it and editing it, I should probably spend an hour promoting it. You know?
1: That sounds Um, like I think
2: about that way, that sounds like a value.
1: Sounds like a great rule of thumb.
2: Yeah. I mean that's one that you know it's not gonna you know you spend a hundred hours making a super super elaborate video. You know, you're probably gonna spend a hundred hours promoting it, but either in terms of how much time you put in or how much money you invest, um, make sure you're putting sort of an equal amount into distribution. If you do that, you're gonna you're gonna really get the full value.
1: Nick, you mentioned something earlier about um, if you have a contacts list or an email list. Do you have any recommendations for how you would get a video out to them?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, so the the simplest version is just post the video on you know, let's say YouTube. I mean, YouTube's a good kind of hosting platform. Um, you can also use stuff that's a little bit less public-facing, so like a, a Vimeo or a Wistia, those are other hosting options. And then you just email or text the link to that video to the database. Now, if if you got connections on Facebook, for instance, like you got some people who are liking your page, you know, you just post it there and, and make sure they get a chance to see it. Um, but I'm a huge fan of, of sending an email or a text. And if you want to go a step further, There are companies, there are platforms, and I'll just name a couple like a lot of real estate agents have heard of the term the company BombBomb. That's one. Uh, BidYard, V-I-D-Y-A-R-B, that's an alternative, very similar. Uh, What those platforms will do is they'll host your video, but they'll also create a, a preview that gets embedded in the text or the email. And so they see a little couple second long sample of the video without audio. Uh, which makes them just a little bit more likely to, to click and actually watch the video. So there's a few different ways to do it. Um, again, I think this is another case where like, just keep it simple. You know, it's so the first few times you do it. If if you already know how to put a video on Facebook or, uh, or or YouTube for that matter, just post it there and share a link to it. And then as you get more comfortable and you're more confident, and you're in the habit of doing video regularly, you can look into those third-party tools, but they they will cost some money, right? So again, that's, you know, same same rule with software. We're going to run into the problem. And then we're going to invest in the software just like we would with equipment.
1: Yes, sir. What was the name of the, the one, BombBomb uh, bomb bomb uh, we're familiar with? What was the other, um, the other name? The, of um, the
2: yeah. It, yes. Yeah, so it's called did yard, which is V I D Y A R D.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. And I'll put yeah. links to these. I will, uh, in the show notes, as we post this podcast, I'll make sure and put links to these in there and, and, uh, also, contact information where people can reach out to Nick. Nice. Good. Well, this, is, this has been very insightful. I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's a well-rounded show anytime that we, we present something and what the challenge is. You've given some great solutions. You've given some good technology and, and equipment solutions. Um, and I like what you had to say, especially the fact that we have our phones on us about all the time the phone will do all the heavy lifting. You don't need a lot of peripheral equipment out there initially just to start shooting video. And then, as you said, if you if you come up with a problem, if the lighting's not right or, or the sound's not coming through, then you can look at adding some equipment. But just get out there and do it. And then you rounded that out with once you've done it, here's what you do with it. Here's how you get it out there and, and uh, let the let the populace see that you're, you're creating some wonderful videos, and they can go in and, and like those and share them. Absolutely. So we'll give a little plug here for uh, Business Video School. Tell them how to find you, uh, Nick, if they, uh, they want to reach out to you. You have some classes coming up. They can enroll for the classes and talk a little bit about Business Video School real quick and how, uh, how they can uh, find you if they have more questions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So easiest way is just going to go to bizvideoschool.com. So that's B-I-Z-videoschool.com. It's our website. Um, in terms of what we have coming up, I mean, we teach our a lot of our intro classes live. We also have them all recorded. Uh, we have video challenges that are coming up. We're, we're currently doing one. It's all about market updates, but we have different kinds of themes uh, every month for those challenges. And uh, yeah, I'd say basically, you know, especially if you're getting started with video, um, we, we're going to be teaching that intro to video, which is just three, three one-hour sessions. We do it over three days. So you can get started right away, and we teach that class pretty much every month. Uh, we also have a class on sending video messages that will help you generate business very quickly. Uh, we've actually found video messages to be the, the most immediate impact. So of all the kinds of video you can send, that one's going to get your results quickest. And we teach class on that every month as well. So if you're looking to start with video... Um, Just check us out on bizvideoschool.com. And there are also uh, several freebies. So if you're looking for some guides, uh, we've got one on TikTok. We've got one on uh, setting up your your studio at home. We've got one on uh, sending video messages to generate leads. So there's a whole bunch of good stuff there. You just check out the the free offers tab on the website.
1: Nick, this has been a great conversation. We appreciate you uh, being in the studio and talking with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Niehaus co-founder, head trainer with Business Video School. And that's, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this session. We'll look forward to seeing you next time Inside the sale Ring.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside The Sale Ring.